Hello and welcome to this week's Reorg Europe podcast. My name is Sean Kureshi and I'm a legal analyst in Reorg's London office. In this week's episode, I'm joined by co-deputy editor Luca Rossi, who will be discussing alloy manufacturer Doncasters. And I'm also joined by financial analyst Lawrence Fitzpatrick, who will be providing insight into the Spanish food chain Telepizza. Luca, Doncasters is a UK manufacturer of specialist alloy components, with almost £600 million of debt maturing next year in 2020. What's topical about this credit? Hi, Shan. So let's start from the most recent news. Uh, today, Doncaster's lenders will hold a beauty parade to appoint a legal advisors. We know that lenders have asked five law firms to pitch for the role, and then pitches for financial advisors will follow shortly. Doncaster itself is uh, already working with Deloitte and Weil Gottschall as a financial and legal advisors to tackle its uh, fast approaching debt maturity. So uh, the point is, what happened? Um, well, at the start of April, Doncaster's first and second lien loans dropped 20 to 25 points as investors started having doubts of whether the company would be able to refinance its debt, which is due in January 2020. This uh, followed a meeting with lenders where the company said it would look to refinance or amend and extend its debt. In the meantime, Doncasters has also been selling assets to reduce leverage, which totaled eight times in October. EBDA in 2017, which is the most recent year on record, was £69.6 million pounds with an EBDA margin of 13.2%. Another interesting detail is that in March, Ms. Jan Sahota took over from David Smooth as Doncaster's CEO. And uh, Sahota was previously a partner in Deloitte's restructuring practice. That's interesting. So do we know who Doncaster's lenders are? We know Lord Abbott in the US, CVC and Credit Suisse CLO are involved. We also know that recently Doncaster's said the company would not be engaging with lenders until October while it focused on its asset sales strategy. So currently, the company's second lien trade in the 50s, while the two first lien loans are in the 70s. Okay, so another problem lies with Doncaster's holding company. Is that correct? Yes, it's correct, Sean. Um, in December 2016, Doncaster's holding company, which is Dubai International Capital, or DIC, defaulted on a series of loans. DIC is the investment arm of Dubai's sovereign wealth fund and is now in liquidation. So DIC loans totaled uh, 1, billion, 1 billion US dollars and are held by local banks in the United Arab Emirates and by one international bank. The interesting point here is that Dubai international capital loans are secured against 51% of Doncaster's shares. Today, the holding company creditors have not enforced their claim on Doncaster's shares. This is because a claim enforcement by DIC lenders would trigger a change of control clause through which Doncaster's lenders, so the operating company lenders, could demand immediate payment of the company's outstanding debt. Any new owner of Doncaster's would therefore be liable for Doncaster's outstanding liabilities. We also know that Dubai International Capital, so the holding company, has found an agreement with the majority of its lenders to extend its debt facilities to the end of 2020, 
with a further option to extend them to the end of 2021. So these loans extensions should be formally completed before the end of 2019. Thanks, Luca. Now on to Telepizza. Lawrence, private equity firm KKR recently launched a takeover offer for Telepizza, a Spanish pizza delivery business. Can you talk us through the business? Uh, yes. So Telepizza makes and delivers pizza in its home Iberian market, but has operations spanning a range of countries and in particular Latin America. Now, as of December, the group operated a network of around 2,600 own brand and franchise outlets. Now, the group makes extensive use of franchising and around 84% of the group's outlets are operated under franchise agreements. So this means that the, the primary drivers of revenue for the business are currently own store sales, factory sales of dough and other things uh, to franchisees as well as franchisee royalties. Now, in November last year, the group announced that it was uh, entering a strategic alliance with Yum, uh, the owner of Pizza Hut. And now the, the alliance envisages that Telepizza will become the master franchisee for Pizza Hut in Iberia, Switzerland and Latin America, excluding Brazil. And Telepizza will become the authorised supplier of Pizza Hut and will progressively roll out its production capabilities across Latin America over the next few years. Now, the group sees the transaction as doubling the addressable market, unlocking growth opportunities, as well as enabling some synergies. In terms of financials, Telepizza reported revenue of 340.3 million uh, euros in 2018 and generated underlying adjusted EBITDA of 64.2 million. Proforma adjusted EBITDA adjusted for a small number of acquisitions, as well as procurement synergies, amounted to 73.7 million last year. Okay, great. So what's unusual about the proposed transaction and the acquisition financing? So KKR has uh, launched a voluntary takeover offer for all the remaining Telepizza shares that it does not own at €6 per share. And this represents a premium of around 33% to the undisturbed price. Uh, KKR already owns 28.56% of the shares through an associated vehicle. And furthermore, the board of Telepizza has recommended that shareholders accept the offer and will thus tender its treasury shares, which amount to a further 2.72%. Uh, now, the tender is conditional on KKR achieving a 75% acceptance threshold, and the initial acceptance period expired on April the 30th. KKR are believed uh, to have achieved as little as 47% acceptance as of um, the 30th of April. And in a previous statement, the group said that it would neither increase the offer nor extend the acceptance period. KKR issued 335 million euros of high yield bonds last week to finance the transaction. And the bonds have a coupon of 6.25% mature in 2026. Uh, the transaction valued the business at an enterprise value of approximately 747 million and would have resulted in, in day one pro forma net leverage of around 4.9 times underlying EBITDA. Furthermore, according to our primary analysis, which can be accessed on the real platform, the business is likely to generate an exiguous amount of free cash flow in 2019, with cash flow thereafter predicated on the delivery of the group's expansion plan. Great. Looking at the high yield bonds, is there anything else that you'd like to highlight regarding the documentation? Uh, yes. So in the first place, it should be noted that we believe that KKR does not currently have uh, the requisite amount of acceptances to satisfy the escrow release condition of KKR owning 50% of Telepizza's shares. Uh, we think there are broadly three options available to KKR. Uh, firstly, to extend the acceptance period and potentially uh, increase the offer price in concert with that. And now they've said they will not do this, but it none nonetheless remains a possibility. They could walk away from the transaction altogether. This would result in the special mandatory redemption of the bonds, although, although the long stop date on this condition is December the 31st, 2019. 
Uh, finally, they could attempt to waive the acceptance threshold and purchase less than 50% of Telepizza shares. This would likely result in a mandatory takeover offer under Spanish law at the equitable price, uh, which is identical to the current offer price at present. And failing this offer, KKR could attempt to purchase the remaining shares they need in the open market. Now, KKR could adopt any or a combination of these three options. Uh, looking at the bonds themselves, uh, we notice a number, number of areas of interest. Uh, the bonds which are issued by Tasty Bond Co. are portable, permit ratio-based senior debts and feature collateral dilution risk, as well as uh, inclu the inclusion of a restricted payment starter basket of 10 million euros. Senior secured indebtedness may be occurred if the consolidated senior secured leverage ratio is 4.5 times or less, including only debt that is pari pursue with the group's RCF. Now, debt that is not senior secured indebtedness may be occurred if the fixed charge coverage ratio is two times or less, or if it is secured on collateral but not senior secured indebtedness, the consolidated total secured leverage ratio is 5.5 times or less. We note also that asset sale proceeds can be used to make restricted payments and permitted investments without being subject to the proceeds waterfall in the asset sale covenant. Uh, finally, we also note that the group is able to use extensive EBITDA addbacks with no cap or time limitation. Thanks. It seems like there are definitely some areas to watch in there. Finally, what are your own thoughts on the name? Uh, so in terms of the deal itself, um, it's pretty clear that a lot rides on KKR's ability to drive EBITDA growth through the group's new strategy, which appears uh, reasonable to me. Uh, the business is targeting EBITDA of around 100 million uh, euros in 2021, but according to our analysis, there'll be precious little free cash flow in 2019 at the very least. Now, should they fail to, materi to materially expand EBITDA beyond that, uh, the business is likely to struggle to delever. Furthermore, the protections on the bonds are weak and near-term free cash flow is likely to be depressed, but investors are reasonably well compensated at 6.25% coupon for this risk. Thanks, Lawrence. That's it for this week's Reorg podcast. We will be back in two weeks.